In the 21st century, the world searches for answers to the questions that really affect our lives. Does anyone know an anagram for gonad dream? To debate the topics that really matter. Star Trek is in a good place right now. Yeah, I can't agree with you on that one. And be brave enough to state the truth. Movies just don't end that way. Three men dare to face what others fear. James. Oh yeah, I, di- I didn't need that image. Jesse. Uh, I was thinking God or dog. Joe Ash. I want Stan Lee to be the one to wield the Infinity Gauntlet and destroy Thanos. If you hunger for knowledge, if you thirst for wisdom, if you're looking for a podcast that will make all your wildest dreams come true, you've come to the wrong place. You're listening to the Anti-Matter Hour. Star Wars! Wars. <laughs> Talking about Star Wars. Uh, yeah, Star Wars. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> so it's a little late, but uh, with the holidays and everything, as soon as we could get to it, our Star Wars wrap-up episode for uh, episode nine, Rise of Skywalker, which was the end of the Skywalker saga? That's what they're advertising as being. I uh, don't know why they're bothering doing that, but that's what they're saying. I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> question. Is it a question or a statement? <laughs> I'm Luke Skywalker. <laughs> um, and then, of course, chapter eight of The Mandalorian, the conclusion of season one on Disney Plus, is has recently been aired. Yes. And was great. Yep. So that's that's two major Star Wars things to talk about. Any any other Star Wars things to talk about? Hmm. Nope, that's it. Oh, okay. That's all there is. No no other Star Wars. No things. other Star Wars. <laughs> oh, nobody uh watched the Star Wars holiday special uh, over the Oh, I break? did. I've, I uh, that's a part of that's a part of the Christmas movie rotation for me. Oh. I, I, for, it's not for me, uh but um uh I did uh get get around to it at one point. <laughs> I've never seen the entire thing. I, I told you uh, recently, Josh, that I'd never seen it at all, but I yeah. re- that's not quite true. I've seen parts of it. I can remember some of the beginning parts, but I don't remember any of the animated parts. There's only one. There's o- only, the, only the one. There's only the one. Okay. Well, I don't remember that. Yes. Lumpy, who is Chewbacca's son. Right. Lumpy. Sits down and, and watches a cartoon, which um, was I think was animated by... Uh, look, I, I'm sure that these were people that tried very hard but it's not very good animation <laughs> it it looks like it, it looks like it, someone animated claymation by people who did stop motion and didn't do it very well because everyone's faces is just i don't know it looks like no one has any bone structure i'll put it that way is it better or worse than the animation in like the 80s cartoons we grew up with like thundercats or worse whatever? worse than that okay yes. great that's that's great but it is the first time that we meet boba fett yay yeah mm. riding a mythosaur Yay? Mm. Yep. <laughs> well, it does sound pretty good. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, more more, more for another time uh, yes. to hijack the uh, conversation Bef- so early. <laughs> Before we go any further, I think it, it needs to be said that, yes, of course, we're going to be spoiling a lot of Star Wars things for... 
all the spoilers. Big time spoilers. Yeah, we're not even going to try to you know yeah, pretend otherwise. So if you haven't seen episode nine, or if you haven't seen all the Mandalorian, uh, this may ruin it for you. Or it may make it better. There's no way of knowing. It's hard to say. Yeah. I, personally, I would say um, watch the Mandalorian first. Because half of half of the fun of this season is some of the cool stuff they introduce. So, yeah, and the the Mandalorian as a show is kind of a game changer in that uh, there's potential for good Star Wars stories outside of the movies. Yeah, and animated things. Yes. Um, so this is a, you know it's a you know plus it kicked off the whole Baby Yoda thing. And if you don't know what Baby Yoda is at this point, then why are you even listening? I then, mean, come on. Then then your life has a baby Yoda shaped hole in it that you don't know about. <laughs> but as soon as you as soon as you see him, it will be filled and you'll be better for it. Yes. It's the Christmas present we didn't know we needed. Oh, definitely. Yes, everybody who hasn't seen The Mandalorian is living a shadow of a life. Yes. And uh, on, uh, only viewing the entirety of season one. It's only eight episodes, if, eight half-hour episodes. If you haven't uh, done so yet, it, this would be a good time to pause the podcast and rush to uh, rush to Amazon and place your pre-order for your plush Baby Yoda toy. And then we'll give you five seconds to pause yeah. the podcast and go do that. It's gonna it's it's going to be uh, a crazier madhouse than Tickle Me Elmo, or whatever that action figure was in. Um, in the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, the Turbo Man doll? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am Turbo Man. I am Turbo Man. <laughs> uh, it's also kind of interesting, while we're talking about Baby Yoda, it seems like, uh, I don't know, if, not seriously, but on some level, other people are trying to sort of get in on the cute little baby you know Yoda sort of bandwagon right um i saw i don't know if it was again i don't know if it was intentional what but i saw uh, there's a sonic the hedgehog movie coming up sometime yes and there is a screenshot or something of a little baby or, or child sonic in there uh i think it was the internet drawing the comparison not uh. not the movie itself but um, basically anything cute that comes up or anything that has come up that's been cute in the past is being compared to Baby Yoda. And the, con the consensus is that they come up short. Uh, one of the more common ones that I've seen is comparing Baby Yoda to Mogwai from the Gremlins movie. <laughs> well, um, it's funny you should mention it. Uh, just uh, while I was uh, monitoring the Antimatter Hour Twitter feed uh, earlier today, at Antimatter Hour on Twitter, uh, there was a tweet in the Twitter feed from HBO uh, specifically asking uh, for responses to, let's see if I can find the actual uh, um, responses to what, this is a cute off, and they p show nine HBO, like, adorable critters and creatures. HBO and has adorable things? I thought it was all explicit things. Ask for people to, oh, yes, they do. Ask for people to... Uh, vote their favorite uh so i had to vote for baby yoda even though it's not an hbo property <laughs> um was it a write-in <laughs> yeah it, well i put uh so they are numbered one through nine i don't know all nine of them but there's a pan from uh um pan from the um oh, what is the current show with the uh the golden compass show oh, his dark materials uh, yeah his, his dark yeah. materials uh then there's a paddington um there's a what do you call it a minion there's no nope, the, not the minion there's Absolutely the not. uh um the 
from the Pokemon, uh, the Pikachu. Pikachu. Oh, Pikachu. Uh, something a little fox I don't recognize. Uh, like a cat with a a cat with like a sailor's tricorn hat on. Like uh oh, uh, are um, you talking about Puss in Boots? Yeah, that's Puss in Boots. Yeah. Um, and then uh, another one that I don't recognize um, is Seven, the green dragon or lizard of some kind. I can't see what it is you're showing. Sorry. Uh, it's a green, some sort of animated green thing. Uh, ah, I'm not getting it. Um, oh, is that Littlefoot from The Land Before Time? Maybe. Uh, and then they've got the, uh, I think this is the panda. That's Baby Poe from oh. Kamu Panda. And this is the one that I really don't know. Uh, so that was one through nine. Uh, oh. Um, it's just a guy in a uh, derby sort of cap. Uh, yeah, I think HBO has to stretch to um, get, uh, how, how many was that? Nine? Nine, nine so cute things that they... So I've, I voted for 50, as in 50 freaking year old little baby Yoda. <laughs> 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 Sorry, HBO. But out of that list, my favorite was, uh, cutest object was Pan, the, the demon from his Dark Materials. But that's just me. Uh, so we're uh, sort of getting a little uh, a, sh- sh- a far afield. Do, from shall we start with the movie? Yeah. Yeah, let's start with episode nine. Overall kind of thoughts and impressions. And, and for now, let's let's try to focus the conversation to episode nine. We can maybe draw some connections to The Mandalorian later, but yeah, I'll stick with the movie for now. So, episode nine, end of the sequel trilogies. Um, uh, we've all seen it once. Jesse, you've seen it twice? Yes. Just once. Just once for you. Um, uh, what, what are our sort of takes on it? Uh, overall, I mean, as I told you guys, uh, before and for those, uh, listening, <laughs> I don't remember how it went <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who are listening. Yeah. <laughs> Not in the room. Uh, uh, I really enjoyed the movie. It was, a uh, you know, fast paced and fun and, you know, funny and adventuresome, uh, technically, you know, solid, like you know, great effects uh, movie is very enjoyable. And uh, for that reason, uh, you know, I'm happy to watch it and I'd be happy to watch it again. I even, like I said, we even went back and took my son to see it. Um, I do think that it was something of a missed opportunity for Disney, specifically uh, episode nine, but not limited to episode nine, the full sort of trilogy, but but it was a great, fun movie, and they did a lot of good things uh, in the movie. Yeah, you're not kidding about the fast-paced. I mean, all the, um, what do they call it, those those wipes that they do in Star Wars? They're always from st- the left to right or right to left. Yeah. I, the I can't remember what, I they're, can't called, remember what but they're called. A wipe is a good. Yeah, but yeah. Th- there's, there's a term for it. But those wipes that they do when, you know, when there's like a ship traveling from one planet to the next or whatever, almost got whiplash with all the wipes they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> because they were just going from you know, one place to another and they just never really let up. There's really no quiet moments in the movie. Um, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed a lot about the fast paced action i feel like i feel like it was i feel like it wasn't necessarily as much of a choice as far as like we're gonna make this movie fast pace as much as it was a choice of there's a lot of stuff that we need to like course correct or there's a lot of story we need to cram in here and we've only got so much time to do it so it was more it had more to do with that i feel like the unfortunate thing is that the movie had in it very big moments that you weren't able to really sit with 
and think about or enjoy. Like there were so many times where it'd be like, oh my gosh, did Ray just use force lightning? Oh my gosh, did she just kill Chewbacca? Oh no, wait, Chewbacca's fine. Right. Oh my gosh, C-3PO had his memory wiped. What's going to happen? Oh wait, no, R2-D2 just did that and he's fine. And it's kind of like, you know, there there were those moments there where... It took away uh, emotional yeah. impact from... From from what would happen previously. Yeah, you mentioned course correction. I mean, I think... I mean, I, I don't think there's ever going to be confirmation on this, but I think we're all in agreement that half this movie was trying to fix what happened in episode eight and wrap up things so that they could claim this is the end of the Skywalker saga. Right. Which, in the end, that claim just seems... I don't know why they bother. But... Um, uh, yes, they did cram in a whole lot of things, and some of those big moments, um, I I thought were unnecessary. Like, uh, it felt like they were trying to shoe in shoehorn in more C three PO and what and whatnot than they needed. In episodes seven and eight, there was hardly any uh, of the droids in there. Uh, they they decided to cram some more in into episode nine, but they could have just done without the whole convoluted C-3PO's memory slash Goonies plot point of finding this thing. Um, I felt that that could have just been more succinct to leave more time for the bigger points. Um, I, I understand that this movie was going to be rushing from point to point to point in order to wrap things up, but I felt that they added more of these points than they needed. Uh, th- I, I, th- I felt that they made that task harder on themselves than they needed to in the end. Yeah. There's a lot of times where this movie has very cool moments in it. I remember the first time that I saw in the trailer them riding horses, or I guess they're not horses, but the beasts that are kind of horse-like. And I was kind of like, I mean, that's a cool-looking shot, but I don't get it. Why are they doing that? And then within the, but within the movie, within the context of the movie, it made an incredible amount of sense. And I thought it was really cool how it's like, oh, that actually that that's a creative that's that's like a, a good tactic where you know you have a situation where you know you are preventing your enemy from splicing into a computer of some sort of uh speeder or something you know it's like cuz that cuz that's what they, essentially what they say is you know splice into the speeders and stop them and, sir they're not on speeders and you see them riding out on the horses and it's like Wow, that's actually a good tactic. I, I agree with you on that, but it felt like the, the, they, 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 when they were writing the, 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 the script for this movie, they wanted that point in there. <laughs> and so they introduced a bunch of stuff le- leading up to that point that itself didn't make much sense. I, I suppose so. I guess it, what's, what's hard for me is that within the, within the moment of watching the movie, you don't have a lot of time to think about these points. True. Because you're going from one place to another. Yeah. And so you end up with a situation where you've got a lot of cool action going on, a lot of cool things that happen, and you don't have time to really marinate in any one of those moments in particular because you're moving so f- quickly from one to the next. And again, I, I mean, my overall impression is I enjoyed the movie. Um. Yeah, I agree with you. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. I thought it was better than episode eight. Same. Yeah. Uh, um, I think that I, I think I'm on board with kind of what you're saying, Jesse, which is the sense that it's not so much that this movie had missed opportunities. I feel like it's the trilogy as a whole. 
right that had missed opportunities right Lo- and, uh, lost potential yeah, yeah and and um and you know talk about it more when we get into the other half of 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 today's podcast but um i feel like what i got out of this this trilogy as a whole was that you had a lot of talented people uh in the project in all facets of the project without any overriding guidance or direction yeah that's that's something that we um discussed earlier was uh it just felt like uh the at least the trilogy aspect of the Star Wars universe right now uh, lacked an overall direction. And they've made a lot of public statements about, oh, this is how we wanted the trilogy to go, like the second movie, The uh, Last Jedi. And and they got behind it, and then they you know, re- you know know reiterated, this is the right story, this is how the story goes. And then I think they looked at the box office results and saw that it didn't live up to... Uh, um, Force Awakens and said, "Oops, uh, guess we better go back to something that we know that works." Yeah, well, and unfortunately, what happened was that um, I felt like a lot of these movies were reactionary. Um, you have the Force Awakens comes out, and it felt like a lot of it was like, "Look, we know you guys didn't like the prequels. We know you guys are kind of." Uh, scared of what's going to come next, but it's okay. We got your back. And then with episode eight, it almost felt like they listened to a lot of the critics that were like, oh, episode seven was just all the same and it was just a reworking. And then like, it's okay. We got you on this. We're going to, we're going to like subvert a lot of your expectations and take it in a new direction. And then everyone was like up in arms about that. So in episode nine, they're like, oh, it's okay. We got your back. Uh, all those things, Snoke dying without knowing who he was, Ray's parents being known. We're gonna go, we're gonna re, we're gonna fix all that. Don't worry about it. And and um, I and so what you ended up with was three three separate movies that I think looked in in isolation are good movies, but as a trilogy, is a mess. Yeah, these movies weren't made for the core fan base. It seems. Um, I mean, you, you you mentioned earlier about um, being hard to like when watching the movie, being hard to appreciate some of the details, and uh, you know needing to you know think about it afterwards and pick it apart. I mean, that's I mean probably more than any other fan base, arguably. Uh, the Star Wars fan base is great at picking apart every little piece of you know any form mm-hmm. of Star Wars media, yes. TV shows and movies, etc. And if you don't design the movies to take that into account, then you're just setting yourself up for disaster down the road. Yeah. And I agree <laughs> that um, what they, but I think what they did with Episode Seven was try to course correct from the prequel trilogies, where you had George Lucas basically having carte blanche control over everything, nobody telling him no, nobody. You know, it was really basically all him. Yeah, at least. George Lucas fever dream basically yeah. <laughs> and so uh, Disney bought it and they said okay well we don't want that um, so we'll, uh, uh, but here's I don't want to I don't know what goes on behind the scenes I have some thoughts but I don't have all the information so y- pointing fingers at people like Kathleen Kennedy or uh, I mean or JJ Abrams or whoever uh, that's easy enough to do but I don't know what went into the decision making so I don't want to really do that so much but th- I think the bottom line is they made episode 7 
intentionally very similar to episode four yes. to try to recapture uh, to, to, to play it safe and, and recapture a new audience with what worked before. Yeah, yeah I think people were, uh, myself included, film critics and fans were all pretty, pretty good with episode seven. I yeah, loved it. I think it was a, it was a blast. I think we were it. all positive. I think the I think what happens is that um, you can't make an entire trilogy that way. Right. Exactly. And what and so uh, like I, I think there's there are some people that that feel like ryan johnson was what messed up the trilogy i don't blame ryan johnson because from what i've read of his from what i've seen from him that's the director that he is that's how he makes movies so if you give him a movie you you have to know that that's what you're going to get and i feel like what episode eight is is it's a ryan johnson star wars movie and so if you don't like it that's fine but don't feel like Ryan Johnson went in there with the malicious intention of like, oh, I hate the way Star Wars is. So I'm going to just, you know, throw pie in the fans faces and 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 stuff like that. No, that's what he, that's that's what he would have made regardless of of whatever. That's just the move. That's the type of movie that he makes. Yeah. And I think I feel like. I feel like it's okay to criticize Kathleen Kennedy in one sense, and that is the sense that she, she, has she has not been that overarching guide, and 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 that that director of the overall story. Um, right. I, I feel like that's kind of her job. Her job is to foster and choose talent that are going to make movies but she's the one that is kind of she is the she's the oracle she's the knowledge keeper she's the one that's supposed to say this is where star wars is going from a thousand mile perspective well they they brought back uh jj abrams for episode nine sort of in the midst not not in the midst of production but there was a change to bring him in uh and yeah, it was originally going to be uh, Trevorrow, I think. Right. Well, and it's crazy because in the, in in all the late night um, uh, interviews that J.J. Abram did with like Stephen Colbert and and everyone, he would constantly say, "I wasn't supposed to be here for episode nine. Right. So the the thing I think has happened is there was a failure in in the leadership at Disney or Lucas to provide Ryan Johnson. And whoever you said was the original director of Nine, I forget his first name, but I think his last name was Trevorrow. With with the Trevorrow. with the information that apparently J.J. Abrams had to make Episode Nine, because they could have made a, a movie that where the two movies fit together much better. Uh, I mean, are we into the spoiler section yet? Uh, I mean, this whole thing has been spoiled. Yeah, I think okay, I don't think there is a spoiler well, section. Well, I mean, we sort of discussed in general, a lot sure. of general terms. But so, like specifically, you could have made the the same story, but made it make a lot more sense if you moved part of Palpatine's arc into Episode Seven. Absolutely. Like, if you start, how did he, how did he rise from the dead or whatever? If you started, so think what? of the first part of the title crawl. Yeah, which is like these. You know, uh, a message f- uh, from the past, right. or a voice from the past. Isn't the first line the dead speak? Yes. Yeah. If you had moved that to the beginning crawl line of episode seven, and have it be like, is it really Palpatine or is it right. not? What is this like? And yeah. Could they? Could they? Um, 
I mean, because there was a lot of good choices made in, in the movies. Uh, for example, in episode nine, it was a good choice to have some uh, character moments and character development with between Finn and Poe to uh, kind of build on their friendship. Yeah. And it was good. All the scenes with uh, Ray and Kylo or Ben just crackle. Like they just uh, pop out of the screen. I mean, they're, they have great chemistry. And there's parts of Star Wars that have always been about these relationships and friendships. And there's been time to develop them and explore them. And those were good moments of episode nine. And I feel like Rey as a character isn't flawed. I feel like she just didn't have a lot of development. Right. She didn't have a lot of time to really, I don't know. But they, they just as many good decisions that they made, there's so many questionable ones. Like, how are we supposed to know that Palpatine's really dead this time? Right. Well, because we saw his body disintegrate. Apparently. Right. Apparently, that's good enough. Yeah, but maybe he maybe he can f- pull himself back together again. And who <laughs> were who were those people the in Sith? the chamber with him? The Sith, which has never been explained. But I right. mean, like, were they the were Sith they were citizens? they the Sith? Were they the Sith of the past <laughs> yeah. that were ghosted or what? No, those they, those th- those are the same people piloting those star destroyers. That they were the Sith. Right. Right. Which is. <laughs> Previously, it's just been a master and an apprentice, but now apparently it's an entire like Nation? multi-billion population <laughs> uh, planet. Well, one thing I don't think it's fair to criticize Star Wars movies on is not explaining everything in detail because uh, Star Wars has never been about explaining everything. No, but I. F- but they, I think it is guilty of introducing a little bit too much that is difficult to explain. Yeah, I think I think I think there was too much uh, Deus es Machina. In this trilogy, like when the emperor uh, shot out that huge lightning bolt into the sky, right? <laughs> it's just like, uh, okay, apparently he can destroy an entire armada. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I didn't. I guess I didn't have a big problem with with specifically that, but just so many like, just questionable things like, uh, why was uh, Rose not given a more important? Uh, because I mean, uh, very few people actually liked her character in episode eight. I'm surprised mm-hmm. they had her in there at all, to be honest. I felt so yeah. bad for the actress and that character because the movie basically just takes a giant dump on her. Oh, I think the actress is great. And the character, I think, had potential. Yeah. But episode eight was... Episode eight, well, I mean, the problem was that it just... The problem was that the majority of her character's time was on that planet where it was just kind of like what is this all about kind of a thing yeah, it's a side mission that finn and rose went on and then ultimately ended up not being worth a, a mention and, and did anyone else catch the fact that we're supposed to believe that all of the all of the stormtroopers are force sensitive what no i didn't get that okay so hang with me finn you know, so all the stormtroopers in the first order are children that were abducted, right? Yeah, they. Well, actually, the abduction part they didn't. Was that episode nine only? Because in episode seven, no, in episode seven, that's they, what they, they were essentially about. conscripted. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't say abducted. I, I assumed that they were basically like ra- uh, raised, like forcibly conscripted. I think yeah. was the impression that. Yeah, we that's got. what I got too. Okay. Like so, they said, "Oh, we have to like go find more kids." Like yeah. at some point, they okay. said. Okay, so. In episode nine, Finn is talking with I can't I I can't remember the character's name, but it's the, the other lady, yeah. yeah, who is the ex stormtrooper, and and he's saying that 
um, why did you get out? And she says, uh, we were in the midst of some sort of battle and we were told to kill uh, innocent civilians. Right. And we all just stopped. It's not like we thought to ourselves, this is wrong. We all just stopped and dropped our guns. And Finn said, I know, it was just a feeling. Okay. And Finn is supposed to be force sensitive. Right. I think I've the movie pretty clearly. Yeah, I caught on to that, that the second time so uh, around, but I didn't. I didn't get that. I thought that. I guess I took that that sort of line at face value. Like they just said, "No, this is we're not going to do this." It like, just seems like they both have this instant connection. Like we didn't. We didn't go into this battle thinking we were going to stop. It's just all of a sudden we have this feeling, and we just stopped, and then we walked away. So, I thought it was just their consciences catching up with them that's kind of what i took it at but i don't I mean, know but i it just could be wrong i mean maybe that is what they're going for I, I don't know i'm just but see the it's 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 things like that where because the fact that that at no point like they they check up they 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 like they pulled out a checkoff's gun and then they didn't pay it off with you mean with uh finn, with finn uh, saying i've yeah. got something i need to tell you right that's where i that's when i realized that maybe he was gonna say that uh something about kind of, well there was the Moz character too she's right apparently the same thing well i th- i just assumed that finn wanted to tell ray that he loved her which is a bit jarring because it really seemed like they were trying to have a uh, love connection between Finn and Rose in episode eight. Mm-hmm. And then there was that new character they introduced in episode nine uh, who was living on that planet. Yeah, the one we were just talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the ex-stormtrooper. The ex-stormtrooper. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, you're right. I was confusing that with another character. The, oh. the, the lady in the helmet. Oh, no, no, no. Right. That that's that's Poe. That's Poe, right. yeah. Po, yeah. But... Um, yeah, so that's I mean that's just more of the uh questionable like so the movie should not have left it ambiguous if there was uh romantic feelings between characters, right? Like Right. So Poe we don't think Ray was romantically interested in either I d- I don't think in always, Finn or Poe. Yeah, I always got that they were just like really good friends. But yeah, but it but it leaves it sort of ambiguous or it almost looks like they're and sometimes it almost feels like a little bit like they're competing for her affections or or at least her her like approval right. of some kind. Well, that's a trope. I mean, you have a, um, a you have a, a triangle of friends, two guys and a, and a girl, and whether there's romantic interest or not, there's going to be some sort of like Oh, she g- likes me best. Guys like to compete yeah. for girls' attention, but, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But that shouldn't, I mean, they had the nice little, like, triple sort of hug at the end. Uh, and I'm in my head, I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, her head is there, his head is there. What is it, like, what does the position of their heads mean? <laughs> like, and I'm like, the, well, the, You're reading the, body the language. Mov- yeah, the movie's, the movie's not telling us, so I'm supposed to, am I supposed to read in anything into it? Or, and they also did a disservice to fans and Carrie Russell alike by not uh, having her hair on display and keeping her uh, inside the helmet the whole time. Oh, the the uh, pose. Um, yeah, uh, I forgot her name, but uh, Carrie Russell. She has the most, like, I don't know, it's not, luscious isn't the word, but L- like... Luxurious? Luxurious locks of, of hair of, like, any actress... Uh, 
of our lifetime, pretty much. <laughs> well, that helmet of hers seemed to have something going on in the back to contain some some hair or something. I don't know, but yeah, we never saw her face, did we? Only her eyes a little bit. She raised the. the That's shirt right. Up, the visor uh, came up. Yeah. Which uh, later on in this conversation, we could talk about the you know helmet, helmeted characters <laughs> and whatnot. But anyway, um, so I guess maybe to s- sort of wrap up, get to the point of wrapping up our discussion of episode nine. Like, um, let's see, should we discuss what we are best and worst? Like what we really liked, what we really didn't like, or uh, or have we exhausted all the... Well, no, we haven't exhausted. I mean, uh, okay, well... Do we need to explicitly say anything about how the movie concludes, just in case somebody's listening to this, just to sort of hear about, like, learn a little bit about the movie, or... So it hasn't watched the isn't going to watch the movie. Or, I mean, yeah. Or, I, well, let me just ask you guys: if uh, isolating the ending in and of itself, yay or nay? Are you up and down, up, up or down about that? You mean just the final like tattooing? Just the final the, tattooing. She's burying it, and the, she's asked what her name is, and I, I, I sort of nay. I, I sort of dislike the decisions they made there. Uh, I mean. Not not the entire idea, but just sort of some of the... I don't think Ray Skywalker is... I mean, she's literally Ray Palpatine. Uh, so right, <laughs> right. She's, she's just going to call herself Skywalker uh, and bury a couple lightsabers in the desert, but then she keeps her... Like, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's all symbolic, but and because, of course, they did have a BB-8-shaped uh, sunset... Uh, if you guys notice oh the BB-8 shaped sunset, I did not notice because there's that. a double suns. The double suns in Tatooine. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I mean, if I was Ray, uh, unless she's going into like seriously going into retirement, which I doubt she has the ability to do, because even after like previous, uh, like Return of the Jedi, you know, even after previous movies when the Empire was defeated, there was still like unrest and like they needed the Jedi, you know, to to sort of look over things. Well, she built her own lightsaber, so she's not retiring. Well, yeah, but if she's in charge of, like, you know, security for, who knows, the no longer the Resistance, maybe the new New Republic, uh, uh, she's going to need, like, three lightsabers all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, was, it was a, I mean, it was a nostalgic ending, but... Sure. I think what's, what's tough for me is that you can't say it's the end of the Skywalker saga, if the main character going forward is going to take the name Skywalker. Right. Unless, of course, we don't see any more movies featuring Rey, which... That would just be weird. <clears throat> but, I mean, you know, I mean, who knows? Who I th- knows? I, I think that whole topic is less about the movie itself and more about actors sort of not wanting to commit to an entire career. Uh, like with like a lot of the Marvel actors committed to doing, like, sure. tons of movies for, like, over 10 years or 10-plus years and... I don't think Daisy Ridley necessarily wants to do that, and it, it makes it difficult. But it doesn't mean that we can't see another movie with her in it. But then, if she, like you say, if her name is Skywalker, then how do they, they're, they're saying this is the end of the Skywalker saga? But is it? Yeah, I don't know. Funny? Uh, any uh, favorite? Okay, favorite funny moments in the in the movie? Anyone? Not enough of them, really. Um, couple funny moments i'm thinking i think so in the move in 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 the ninth movie specifically my favorite funny moment is when finn comes up to poe after he's kind of been made kind of like the de facto new leader of the of the resistance 
and he says, I don't know how to do, how to do this by myself. I need you with me. And Poe is like, and Poe's like, hey, I need you. Oh, by the way, I just that's really nice for you to say. Thank you very much. And then yeah. he kind of moves on from that. That's my favorite. Yeah, they had a little bro <laughs> moment there, so that was nice. Yeah, that was funny. Um, uh, which one did I think was funny? Um, well, the first, very first scene in the movie when they're playing that board game whose name I forget, the holographic board game with oh, Chewbacca. Oh, with Chewbacca. And Poe and Finn are apparently like on a team together against Chewbacca. And like... I think Chewbacca had, hadn't made a move in a long time. They're accusing him of cheating or something like that. And then the Chewbacca has to go to the bridge. And the two are there like, oh, no, we're, we're not going to turn it off. Don't worry. We're not going to turn yeah. it off. <laughs> and then the, as he, Chewbacca leaves, they turn it off. Like, yeah, he's definitely cheating. <laughs> there, there was a couple I, I thought was kind of uh, funny. Uh, Excuse me. Um, the uh, part that's uh, – um, it's the second time that Ray's used the Jedi mind trick uh, and uh, – she just tells the two stormtroopers, "You're gonna. Uh, you, it's okay that we're here. Uh, it's okay. That, hey, we're glad that you're here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, go on this way. Uh, uh, that was kind of funny. I always like the, the Jedi mind tricks. Always a good opportunity for a joke. And then uh, the other one was when the uh, uh, when the broadcast goes out. So uh, that's another nitpick I have uh, between the the with what they did to the uh, last Jedi." Was when the when the resistance called for help uh, in the Last Jedi, no one came, no one came. Right. And when uh, this one, Lando Carusian hops in the Millennium Falcon and uh, uh, takes a, uh, a road trip through the core systems, and in about twenty five minutes, uh, strums up like thirty thousand. That's when uh, Doctor Strange puts all the rings in the sky and all the heroes come in from yeah. the pr- Oh wait, I'm sorry, I'm talking about uh, the wrong movie. So uh on your left. <laughs> so yeah. So that's kind of a, a nitpick. Uh but I mean that that one's probably the most glaring like just fuck you to to The Last Jedi. Oh uh, yeah. But uh but the funny moment was when the uh Imperial officer says uh what is going on? The resistance doesn't have a navy this size, and uh, or an armada this size. And he said, "Well, that's not the navy. Uh, that's just people," <laughs> which is like a meta commentary on like sort of the, um, uh, the social uh, like protest. And, yeah. yeah. Of course, th- there was another moment in there where it was just so quick, where it's like there's this traitor within the first order. And so as soon as they go there, we find out that it's um, General Hux. General Hux. And he's like, I'm the traitor. He's like, quick, shoot me in the arm so they won't believe me. And then he's like, what? and then, you know, like a couple scenes later, he's talking to the big emperor guy. And he's like, yeah, they they killed, they they got me. And they cut, and he just goes. That's like, OK, well, I guess. Yeah, that was. Uh, Hux is the traitor. Why? Because I can't let Kylo win. I, yeah, yeah, I don't care if you win. <laughs> I can't. I don't. I don't care what you do. I can't let Kylo win yeah. or something like that. I don't. Oh, I don't care if you win or lose or die or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was funny, uh, but I think it was all. It was funny, but it was also really stupid and foreshadowed. Yeah. Also, I think. Yeah. If uh, if they wanted to continue anything from Episode Eight, uh, it should have been Kylo that basically killed Hux because they had a little bit of a rivalry thing going on. Yeah. To me, it's like that is a moment that could have been in Episode Eight. In Episode Eight is where you find out there's a traitor in the First Order. And that be something that is revealed in this movie, and then it would have been like this whole yeah. time it was Hux. What? Yeah, I do like some of the stuff that they just 
I use the word word shoehorned a lot, but I mean, really, like they just really crammed in a bunch of things. Like they referenced the holdo maneuver. Like, yeah, let's yeah. do a holdo. Oh, you know. right. I had that, to Google they, that they, because they, I forgot that that was the name of the. Of, right. Uh, I, for some reason, I thought that was Mon Mothma uh, that that did that. No, uh, she's already dead. Right. I think she died with the rest of the. Uh, she died off screen. Alliance. Yeah. But. Uh, uh, but yeah, they they, they quickly reference the holdo maneuver, and then they click, quickly reference why you can't just do that. Right. I forget their reasoning though. Was it uh, some sentence they threw at it? Like, oh, we can't do that. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, they, it's okay. We uh, we hyperspace jump now. What? <laughs> right. Oh yeah. In that was the, pretty cool. Cause, admittedly. Cause, well, I mean, it was cool, but up until then, uh, you know, like in the in the in the, I think it was in the in episode four, where it's like. Go to hyperspace, and Han Solo is like, you can't no, just go to hyperspace. We have to, we have to wait the for the calculations. calculations to come through, or else you could go through right. so we're an just, asteroid or something like that. We're just retconning, uh, right? Well, I think they were suggesting that they could do the calculations really quickly for some reason. Maybe they upgraded the computer, but they weren't giving the engines enough time to cool hey, down. Or hey, something. no, hey, that computer has a name. Yeah, it's uh, oh, f- uh, crying out loud! Forgot, <laughs> the, forgot the name of it though. Uh, another thing. That <laughs> <laughs> well. Actually, it, and and she does not take kindly to being called a slave. Actually, I I, I I'm what was that droid's name? Uh, yeah. I forget the droid's name, but actually, that's an example of something I like about uh, the sequel and anthology movies. Yes, because they actually took something from the original movie and made it so that it fits and it doesn't it. it it explains why they said, "Oh, your 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 uh, computer has an interesting dialect," uh, um, and then it shows kind of shows how that that's what C three PO said. Well, even an innocuous thing that happens in episode, um, is it episode four, or episode five, where Han, it's like it's okay, she'll hold together, and then it goes, to, it cuts to him, and he just says, "Come on, baby, hold together," and it's like, oh, he's actually he's talking to a sentient form of something it's in the know. computer. Well. Uh, we're referencing Solo, right? Yeah, yes. Solo. But we're talking about the remnants of the brain of that droid. The, yeah. They uploaded to the Millennium Falcon's oh. Nava computer. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's several more things I want to talk about, but th- uh, this is relevant to this particular line of uh, of, t- of conversation. I was talking with Jesse earlier. Uh-huh. I wanted, um, and this will tie into what we're going to be talking about with the Mandalorian in a bit. And that's the uh, droids. Um, there, there are some movies and, and shows that sort of make you empathize and sympathize with droids yeah uh that's not what the in my opinion the sequel trilogies have done very well i mean in in episode nine c-3po had his memory wiped and then partially restored but to be honest i just didn't care at that point well i think that's we it was referenced earlier by joe ash uh about how uh they um well in the preview in the movie trailer uh c-3po has a, a shot of him saying just taking one last look at my best friends or something right. to that effect. And that in that moment in the trailer, that moment in the trailer hit me like, yeah. And then they do it in the, when it happens in the movie, there's it's building up. But then as soon as you realize somebody says, well, isn't he backed up? Then it's like, okay, never mind. That doesn't matter. No like, stakes whatsoever. Well, right. it, it came at the end of a series of Goonies, like, okay, well, we have this dagger. We need to translate the dagger. Oh, C-3PO knows exactly what it says. Yeah. But he can't tell us because Anakin Skywalker programmed him not to be able to reveal Sith lang- yes. language. Yes, an eight-year-old <laughs> child on Tatooine. Who built a protocol droid 
made sure to uh, <laughs> yeah that's that was ju- that was just uh, that was an, just oh, so <laughs> that was just so but um but presumably i mean that was just such a macguffin is what it pre- was presumably though uh okay presumably anakin probably didn't program him himself he probably just used standard like programming for uh that t- type of a droid like whatever the open but source why programming would, but why would standard programming of a droid be oh and don't read sith because like, it what are the probably sith? Probably because uh, because the galaxy's ten thousand generations, the new Repo- the old republic is ten thousand generations old, and uh, that programming That's was probably true. was probably written a thousand years ago. What's and, the uh, point from a from a programming perspective? What's the point of even have, having C three PO know the Sith language? I don't know if you can't yeah. then translate right. the language. You're right. You have to <laughs> make too many leaps to. Uh, it's like reading dark elvish. In uh, could, Lord of the Rings, my my question, my other question is, uh, so you could we could do this all day, but so the uh, the knife, maybe maybe we need two separate. Do we need two separate episodes for Mandalorian? <laughs> How are we doing on? Uh, let's, let's keep talking. You're about you're talking about the uh, you're talking about the Goonies moment. Well, or so, one of the Goonies. Okay, moments. so so the crashed Death Star is in an ocean. I mean, it's been there for at least years, if not decades. Thirty, 30 yeah, years decades. at least. So there's somebody built a knife that's essentially a map, but what if you're standing a mile over to the right or to the west or east uh, and you hold the knife up? It's not going uh, to point to the right part of the Death Star. Yeah, they could have approached that Death Star. I mean, I don't know how much land mass there was, but any other point on that land mass or by just flying a ship near it, I yeah. mean, that dagger would have been useless. Or or, or if the Death Star, uh, you know, there's an earthquake or a tidal wave, I mean, the Death Star could rust or, or collapse into the sea or... What, what, what would have made much more sense is that instead of that knife merely being a means with which to know where to go to get the Sith... Wasn't wayfinder. It, 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 wayfinder. Wayfinder. Yeah. Have that knife be the Wayfinder. Have that have a star map on it. Oh, but then that destroys the whole uh, Ray's uh, parents' plot point. So um, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> also, uh, well, yeah. So they could have easily just made Ray's parents the Sith or whatever the Sith people or the people that were supposed to bring her to Palpatine or whatever. Yeah. Um, without having the whole Wayfinder thing, because that was that was a just a big diversion of time and filming when. Uh, and they had to explain that oh Luke Skywalker. So what was Luke Skywalker doing after uh, Return of the Jedi? Uh, because he um, after he tried to kill Ben Solo, uh, and he and then he took himself. He went into solitude or whatever. Yeah. Uh, didn't he say in the Force Awake or the Last Jedi? I guess it was. Didn't he say that he hadn't read the ancient texts? Like they were down in that cave, and she went down to read them, and he said oh, no. In the, like, in the tree, yeah. right? And he said he hadn't been reading them, and she didn't want her. He was going to destroy the ancient he had, texts. He hadn't translated. I don't think he could read some of them. So, so she was uh, training with Leia, and she was reading the ancient texts, and that's how she discovered about the wayfinders. So, did Luke read about and discover the wayfinders? Because it said he was searching the galaxy for Exegol. I and don't know. I still it's, it's it's a big confusing like it doesn't make a lot of sense what Luke was doing. The uh, the thing that's hard for me to get around is the fact that Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter like by birth, which means that after the emperor was killed, he ended up 
getting married or having sex with someone. Uh, well, no, no, this would have happened while he's in power. Yeah. I think oh. He, so I was asking this. I think we might have talked about that. The same thing. It was. I. W- I was also like very thrown aback by how you could have seven eight Star Wars movies and not know that emp- uh, that Senator Palpatine or Emperor Palpatine had it uh, been emperor a family had a family yeah uh, yeah I think I think it would have taken place while he was emperor right um he probably yeah to me what would have made more sense is if her, if her parents were indeed no one and he basically force babied the mom like he did Shmi God the Immaculate Conception of Anakin yes. Skywalker. I you you had mentioned a theory some time ago, perhaps during the um, when we went to see Episode Nine. Yeah, where you thought that maybe Ray was a clone of, of Anakin. Of Anakin. Right. Yeah. Well, a clone of Anakin or a clone of Palpatine. Either, Either one, one of those, I I, w- I thought would have made more sense. Yeah. Like we saw uh, in Episode Nine when Kylo went to um, Exegol and uh, Palpatine's lair or whatever it is you saw a jar full of snoke heads yeah right. it looked a lot like the creepy uh laboratory where people keep like fingers in pickle, yeah. pickle yeah. jars or like and or, or fetuses yeah. in pickled jars <laughs> well, yeah or it, it totally wasn't a play off of frankenstein at all no it wasn't like there was like random lightning happening no. everywhere yeah <laughs> anyway uh instead of just skip the whole snoke thing uh, pull a, in episode seven, pull a Wizard of Oz and just have a voice behind a curtain type of thing. Yeah. Or even have Snoke just be like an avatar for Palpatine. Right, essentially. Uh, like a holographic avatar. And then have Rey be either his clone, um, which would be more connected to the plot that they used, right. which is trying to do this r- stupid ritual thing, or have him be a clone of Anakin. Either way. Yeah. Would have been better than what they did. Anyway. So I think the important thing to take away is uh, that we should be uh, in charge of writing the next Star Wars movie. I think so. I think that's th- I think that's the only logical way to for I mean, things to move forward. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that we'll definitely do a better job than J.J. Abrams. I, I'm just saying that we can uh, carefully look at each plot element and uh make sure that it doesn't uh fuck up the existing canon right I, i'm not saying that we be the ones that write it i'm saying that we be the ones that that basically uh error check error check yes yeah they give us the scripts like uh this is what we're thinking about going with what do you think nope 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 Ooh, i like this and nope 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 <laughs> look look them in the eye and say are you kidding me <laughs> no i i i i have high hopes at this point, because of what we're going to talk about next, right? Uh, by the way, um, let's let's uh, let, let's call this Star Wars episode uh, part one, yeah. and then we'll do a part two. Okay, for the next so part. If you guys want to uh, to carry on, I need to go. Oh. Uh, need to go see the alley about oh, some okay. business. Well, well, we got we got about ten minutes here. I I only had one or maybe two other little points. Uh, so, sort of what I'm getting from the way this trilogy has has sort of unfolded is um i don't know if star wars is good about it, it making star wars i mean disney i don't know if disney is good at making star wars movies i mean uh they're good at making action movies they're good at making uh, money at the box office um but in what we're going to talk about more coming up the mandalorian i think they've done a pretty good job of of starting like serialized Star Wars live action uh, TV shows. 
Well, we can talk about why that's good. Um, so, but, but what I guess what I'm getting at is maybe they're transitioning away. Maybe maybe it's just sort of a cultural shift in Lucas. It's still Lucasfilm, right? Or LucasArt inside of Disney? Yeah, but for how much longer? Who knows? So maybe at Lucas they're making a cultural and structural shift away from movies and into serialized TV because that's sort of how that's sort of how the media uh, conglomerates are going is is subscription services uh, TV uh, it's cheaper to make it's uh, it's more dynamic it can be I mean it can be made and changed more quickly uh, written more quickly um, you know and, and, it, and it keeps everything holistic in-house uh, when you have a hit like you know, when you have a hit like The Mandalorian or the upcoming Obi-Wan show, people are just going to keep subscribing to Disney Plus and keep tuning in. Whereas when you have a movie like uh, The Rise of Skywalker, yeah, it's a mega cash cow, but it it hits and it's done. Well, uh, yeah, a, a case can definitely be made for Disney not f- even now really fully understanding what they have with Star Wars, th- with the movies. They... Um, started out doing the wanting to do a Star Wars movie every year. They did Episode Seven, and then the next year was Rogue One, and then was it Episode Eight, and then Solo? I, I think so. I think so. Um, and then they said, "Hey, you know what? This is too much. You know, we need to scale it back." And I think they understood, at least to a degree, that the quality was suffering as a result. Though I don't think it was necessarily the fast pace that was causing the quality to suffer. I think. So it was the aforementioned lack of management vision. issues. Yeah. Uh, my opinion on the Star Wars movies, and this ties into the the series as well, but the movies specifically need a creative overseer. They need somebody who knows Star Wars, and uh, in my opinion, this person need not nor and should not be have any kind of connection to George Lucas. Um, uh, my, my understanding is that Kathleen Kennedy was handpicked by George Lucas to be sort of his successor slash counterpart in the in, in the in the Disney New World Order once Disney bought Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, but I respect George Lucas for creating Star Wars and his contribution in the original trilogy. Um, but that's where my respect for him ends, and I think Disney needs to cut ties not just with him, but everything that he's had a direct hand in so Kathleen Kennedy being his direct appointee I think you know that need I think they need to distance themselves from her I think they need to uh ally themselves with people that have proven themselves to be good at handling a whole s- uh, series of movies for an entire decade uh, from a creative standpoint they need they need uh, Star Wars the, the Star Wars needs a Kevin Feige or my my personal preference would be a John Favreau, or uh, you look at the Mandalorian. Uh, th- those are mo- mostly directors. I think they should look to them for directors of movies. But for the creative overseer, they need somebody with a creative background who's willing and able to have that you know outlook. Like, okay, where's this next? Where does this next movie fit into the world that we're creating here? Yeah, and be able to make sure that the narrative that's told fits and i mean it's not gonna it's not ever gonna be perfect but that's not the issue it's you know does it does it feel okay i mean m- what they what they did with marvel i mean yeah there's 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 faults with marvel you, you can identify those but far fewer in my opinion faults 
with any of the Marvel movies than with the Star Wars movies, recent, re- the recent Star Wars movies. So if they had something like that, I think they'd be doing fine. And, and yet uh, Disney, uh, well, I mean, it's kind of ironic that Disney owns both Star Wars and Marvel. <laughs> but I yeah. mean, but you could look at it and say, and yet Disney isn't going to care because sure, sure, they would like to have made more money on The Last Jedi and they would like to probably make more money than this movie's going to make. But they're still raking in money hand over fist. So you have to wonder if they even will have the cojones, uh, so to speak, to to actually like do something like that. Because I agree, uh, um, a lone creative voice that's that's not answering to like a focus group uh, is kind of what they are sort of lacking. Like it feels like sort of like we're saying reactionary the movies are sort of like almost like they were like focus group like oh that's not going to test well so you know that's a good way of putting it yeah i i have some predictions on what i think is going to happen based on what i've read uh concerning certain things but uh i don't know if we're if we're if we are at the place to move over to so i mean i I guess I could talk about this now. I mean, you mentioned John Favreau. Um, Kathleen Kennedy's current contract with Disney ends in 2021. Mm-hmm. It was about it was about a year ago that they renewed her contract for three years, and I think the main purpose was that they they tried to see if someone else would step in to finish up this current trilogy, and I feel like at the time there wasn't a lot of people that wanted to do that because it was kind of a mess. Yeah. Yeah, n- uh, nobody really wants to clean up somebody else's mess. No. Really. And so they, they gave her a three-year extension to see, okay, you can finish this current trilogy. Let's see how you do. And I don't think that it's been good enough that Disney is going to renew her contract, at least for Star Wars. It's possible that she'll have another position within Disney, maybe as a producer of individual movies, but not necessarily, not necessarily overseeing one of their kind of tentpole franchises no creative role anyway yeah and so i think there's a strong chance that it's going to be offered to john favreau that makes sense um i mean he's he's been doing disney movies for quite a while now he did the jungle book he did uh lion king there have been a couple of other disney movies that he's been involved in um he has essentially built he has a, a tremendous uh amount of incredible technology that he has built on the Disney lot as far as how to film shows and movies now. And how to tell stories. How to tell stories, yes. But uh, just like if I, when we get to The Mandalorian, there's something I want to reveal that I don't know if you guys know about as far as how it's filmed that's pretty incredible. And uh, so I would be shocked if he was not offered that role. I hope he takes it. I think that he has shown with with the Mandalorian that he has the ability to be that overseer and to and to choose talented directors to come in and be able to give their own version of the story but have those versions all kind of fit into a cohesive overall storyline I guess it's I mean obviously it's dependent on whether or not Disney wants that to happen but I guess after that if that were to happen it's dependent on whether John Favreau wants more of a hands-off role or, or whether he likes that directing position it, it's hard to I mean so the opening weekend for 
the opening weekend for Rise of Skywalker grossed less than two hundred million domestic. Which I mean, it, it was, grossed. It was still like the fourth biggest yeah. December opening. Yeah, I mean, it, it still made a lot of money for Star Wars. But for Star Wars, it was not good. Um, I mean, it's going to make its money back. It's not like it's going to be a box office flop. But but Star Wars should be making but, epic. Yeah, it should be number should one be, on the list of. It should have been. Movies. It should have. They they would have liked to see it make two hundred fifty. It was like at a, least. It was a third below that. Yeah, and so I have a feeling that the change is coming based on based on that alone. Because, again, I agree that when you're talking about creative direction, that doesn't matter as much as as what are they what are they getting back, money wise, and it's not performing well enough. Um, so I think a change is coming. Whatever whether or not John Favreau decides to, I think that they should consult Kevin Feige on who should be brought in, just because maybe he'll recognize someone who has the ability to do what he's doing. And and it's not even just the reason I think Kathleen Kennedy isn't going to survive past 2021 isn't just with the trilogy, but it's with it's with the difficulty that she's had <clears throat> keeping talent involved in the movies. You had I can't remember what his name was, but you had someone who came in and basically wrote and started directing solo. And then about halfway that was uh, the. Um uh, oh God! What are their names? The people that did the Lego Movie. Uh, there's two guys, yes. the co-directors, uh, Lord and uh, Miller. Yeah, and then like half, and then like, uh, uh, and they're to they're excellent too. Yeah, exactly. And then it, going into post production, for whatever reason, they get kicked out, and Ron Howard gets brought in to do pickups and editing. And then you you had the whole issue with D and D, and whether or not you liked the fact that they were brought in to do Star Wars, the fact that they were brought in and then got bought out by Netflix by Netflix doesn't bode well for you as the person that's overseeing the project. If you can't keep people that are talented to do Star Wars. Yeah, it, that's a bad sign. <laughs> it's Star Wars for crying out yeah, loud. Yeah, exactly. There's what they directors of Star Wars movies should have so much freedom on what they do within within constraints of uh, right of, of a of a world building idea. But there's still so much room for flexibility in that. Yeah, there should be so much room. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm not going to sign us off. I'll leave that to you. But um, uh, no, we should do a, a cliffhanger for part two of this. Right. Uh, the uh, only other thing that just came to mind uh, that I wanted to mention before we get out of the Rise of Skywalker, what, did you guys notice the um, cameo? Not a cameo. Did you did you notice the um, John Williams appearance in? Uh, no, he was in what? In the Rise of Skywalker. Oh. He made an appearance in the movie. Uh, he oh, was he was an X-wing pilot, wasn't he? No, uh, that was that was actually Wedge. Uh, well, the I older thought it X-wing. was. I thought it was Anthony Daniels, but it was Wedge. You're right. Um, oh. uh, but no, uh, um, John Williams was the bartender on. I, I had to do like a double. I noticed it online, and then I had to watch it. And the second time I went back, he was the bartender on the planet where they went to find the little. Uh, um, oh, the, the little the droid, droid the hacker, guy. The, under, the black market droid hacker or whatever. Yeah. And uh, his name in the movie, he's credited as Oma Trace. Uh, O-M-A-T-R-E-S, which is an anagram for maestro. Ah, gotcha. So that's a little nugget there if anybody... Uh, well, that's a very Star Wars thing to do. Yeah. N- come up with somebody's name that's an anagram or a play on words or something. So do we want to uh, say... 
To be continued. To be continued. To be continued. Yeah, we'll we'll be discussing the Mandalorian in just a moment. But first, a word from. 